Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. To begin, I just want to talk about the other podcast feed that is connected to this newsletter. It's called the H&H Podcast. It's usually me and Rob Henderson talking about TV and movies, but sometimes we've started to branch into other things. We just had a discussion yesterday released about our careers and making it on our own as writers or public intellectuals or content creators or whatever you want to call it. So that was a very interesting discussion. We had one more recently, um, before that one actually, on how racial race relations among the people we grew up with. Most of you are subscribed to that feed. Some of you aren't, though, for complicated reasons. When I started this newsletter, you had to subscribe to each of them separately. So the podcast was a separate thing you have to subscribe to. Now with Clown Car, you've been automatically subscribed to it since since the this particular feed began so for that for that one if you're not subscribed to it if you did not get the email or the rrs feed or the substack app notification whatever you use uh to get this clown car podcast you can just go to your settings and then change it and then put it so you can receive the hnh podcast now, some of you might not want the podcast with Rob Henderson, and that's fine too. And so you can actually turn them off if, if you don't want them. But if you do want them and you've found that you haven't been getting them, that's what you've got to do to start to get them. The And everyone who subscribes, if you're a recent subscriber, you do automatically get subscribed to the H&H podcast as a default. In addition to the uh, conversations with Henderson, I have sometimes – discussions with Chris Nicholson on war, on the Ukraine war in particular, and then also TV and movie reviews. I do those with Rob too. I've had Mark Andreessen on too. So basically, whenever I want to do TV and movie stuff, it's a little bit different, separate from my normal work. And so that goes on the H&H feed and then Stuff with Rob Henderson. So those are basically the two things you get today with the H&H feed. This is everything else. This is my weekly monologues like the one I'm doing now. And then also the interviews that are very closely related or discussions that are very closely related to the normal stuff I write about. So American politics, what's going on on Twitter, what's going on um, among uh, conservatives, what's going on with different different kinds of issues, AB wax, cancel culture, universities, all that's all that stuff. Anything really closely related to the to what I write about is going to is going to be on this feed. And so, okay, with that out of the way, uh, what I want to talk about this week is there's a book I recently read. It's called Bad Faith. Race and the Rise of the Religious Right by someone named Randall Balmer. And he's a professor of uh, theology somewhere. Let me Google this real fast. He is a a historian actually um, at at Dartmouth. 
So he's been at Dartmouth since 2012. He's an Episcopal priest. He has a background in the evangelical movement. His dad was some kind of prominent preacher. And so he wrote this book about the origins of the uh, Christian right. And it touches a lot on the abortion issue. And I think this is worth talking about because the abortion issue is – I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it's the number one issue in our politics. Like if you ask people what's the main issue right now, usually the economy comes in at number one. It's just people are don't have really strong views on anything. They're not socialists or capitalists or anything. They're just basically, oh, I want the economy to be good. The government should be doing things to facilitate economic growth. And so anyone can answer economy. It can be you could be conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat. People will think the economy is good or bad based on sometimes objective measures, but also based on who's in office at the moment. So Republicans, now that Biden's in office, think the economy is very bad, for example. But an abortion, most people aren't saying that abortion is the number one issue, but it's the number one issue in the sense that it has shaped the last few elections to agree that degree that other issues have not. And so if you want reasons why Republicans have really underperformed since 26, since 2016, really, they pulled it off and they pulled off that win in 2016, just have had a string of bad elections. Now we're going into eight years now, maybe um, 2020 wasn't that bad, but, uh, but they did lose the presidential election. They did lose the Senate. So actually it was, it was probably pretty bad. And then 2022, they won the house, but barely a historically bad outcome for a uh, midterm for a midterm election for the party that's out of office and all the data all the indications are that it's the do- it's Dobbs decision it's the, it's the Trump era Trump, there's a backlash to Trump there would have been a backlash to Biden too in the la- and just the left more generally because that's what happens in the president's first term usually the midterm elections the party out of power always picks up seats but that was very very muted in 2022 and Trump and the Dobbs decision, the Dobbs decision, the abortion issue are the main things. All political strategists agree. They send out, they spend their ad money based on this. So Democrats are spending more money on uh, pro-choice ads than any, anything else in politics. And that's been working because they, they are, they are where public opinion is on this issue as far as what the majority of people think and what people will vote on because people will agree or disagree on, on certain things. But many people, just many, I think many women in particular, just are extremely turned off by this idea that government is going to be regulating their reproductive choices and what kind of decisions they can make when they're pregnant. And so this is an important issue for if you want conservatives to win elections. It's also sometimes you you take the hit for something that is you believe in. I don't believe that the pro-life cause is just or good in any way. Uh, I think it's, I think it's probably, it really is. It doesn't fit with everything else that a lot of people associate with conservatism. It's about freedom of choice. It's about leaving people alone. It's about not having this sort of, what's a, what's a nice way to put this, not having overly concern with sort of the worst elements or the, least productive elements of society. And the the pro-life movement attacks the left from the left, really. You liberals are the eugenicists. I mean, it's really just, you see this stuff, it's just so funny. 
And, and so I think it's worth, it's worth arguing about this issue because Republicans need to change in order to win elections. I want a saner, I'm not just a Republican partisan. I want a saner Republican party. I want a better, a better country. And then it's important for just on, on its merits, the, there's a, there's a bigger issue here in that the pro-life position also stands in opposition to all kinds of biotech. So embryo selection, uh, IVF often, uh, genetic engineering, although that's not really an issue yet, but could be at, at one point. This is stuff we should all be in favor of. And it's a slippery slope because once you uh, – surrogacy, of course. It's, a, it's, a, it's not even a slippery slope. It, it's – the, it's almost a natural corollary of the pro-life movement that you're against all this other stuff because whether philosophically or just just um, instinctually, like the people who are reacting or, or, uh, towards abortion also really react towards surrogacy and IVF. And and I it's it's I, I wrote about this a little bit in the. Uh, article I wrote that said anti-surrogacy was a totalitarian dysgenics movement in the pro-life, the pro-life position by itself, I don't think is that terrible. Now you need it, of course, in cases of fetal abnormalities. I mean, this is the, what's something that's so unhealthy about the pro-life movement is like, they're most offended by the the abortion in case of fetal uh, abnormalities there for a healthy, for a, healthy potential child that's it's not even as much of a concern so this shows that there's something very very wrong with sort of the morality and the logic and and the ethics but but at least if you focus on healthy children who are don't have some kind of horrible abnormality and not the children not the offspring of rapists and so on and so on you could say well look they're gonna have unnet good lives human life is good i can i can sympathize with that. I can sympathize with a pro-life movement that made a, made exceptions for the offspring of rapists and fetal abnormalities and the health of the mother, of, of course. The mother has to come first. But as a general matter, was pro, pro-life in the, in the good sense. This, this movement is not that. And so, the, there's the, and so I think that needs to be, I think it needs to be fought. And Knowing the little bit about the history here, I think does illuminate what's how we've gotten here, and basically can give some hints over whether this can change. Because it could be, it's very easy to just say, "Well, there's no point." The parties are polarized on these issues. That's not. I mean, that's not always the case because things change historically. They usually don't. I mean, most most. the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are broadly recognizable on most issues compared to 20, 30, 40 years ago. But you can, you can, I'm sure, think of changes in party platforms and attitudes and priorities. So this book, this book is interesting. It's a, it's a very, it's a very short book. I read it on Kindle. I don't know how long it is in pages, but I also I looked at the Audible, and the Audible was less than two hours, so it's like one hour and forty minutes or something. It's a it's a, a long article, basically. It's a it's I don't, I don't think I've ever I've rarely seen a book that that's short that's that short. And 
the main argument is that nobody in evangelical circles cared about abortion until the late 1970s. And I don't know if the majority of evangelicals themselves, if you polled them or something, were, were pro-life or pro-choice. It's we don't have data or I haven't seen the data on that, but as far as like the organized evangelical movement, and there's just a lot of evidence that until really like 1978, which is pretty late in the game and Roe Ro v. Wade, which guaranteed a right to abortion was decided in 1973. So, so there was a, a good five year gap between this really, between that decision. And then when this really became an evangelical issue and there's just tons of data that they didn't care until the late 1970s, even though the evangelical Christians, they were mobilized by then. They, they cared about other stuff, but not particularly the pro-life cause. Uh, so 1968, they had an evangelical conf- conference. Um, they basically, they tried to come up with a position on abortion and they, what they came up with was, was they said, quote, whether the performance of an induced abortion is sinful, we are not agreed. But about the necessity of it and permissibility for it under certain circumstances, we are in accord. And so, and they give reasons, individual health, family welfare. Um, they have this quote where the fetus, the fetal life may be abandoned. And then they quote, quote, may have to be abandoned to maintain full and secure family life. So this is very interesting. I think this is sort of something along the lines of if a man cheats on his wife, <laughs> And it gets a woman pregnant, you might need an abortion. Like we understand, like that, you have to maintain family life. Or maybe it's the wife has an affair, the man gets cucked, and then in that case, oh, I mean, it was just like common sense. Like, of course, you have to abort in that case if you're pro-family. <laughs> it's it's funny to think sort of what the evangelical position of that is today. So there 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 there, there was this. You have reached the end of the free recording for this episode of Clown Car. To listen to the rest of the episode, please consider becoming a paid subscriber.